Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. Here's Lindegaard making Boris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Glover's Past from the Glover's Cast. This is Dave and once again we are joined by a Yeovil Town legend of yesteryear. Our guest here tonight is uh, someone who was uh, one of our own coming up through the Hewis Park Youth Academy and went on to have a very successful career with Yeovil Town. Uh, Two spells and obviously uh, very successful uh, elsewhere after leaving Yeovil Town. So we're very pleased to welcome to the Glover's Cast. Mr. Craig Alcock, Craig, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for having me. Although I'm, I question your, the use of the term legend. I think I tell you, if once you're on it, you're a legend. Probably do. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it. Everyone's got to be a legend. So yeah, that's it. You you, you, you got to accept the title now. No, but I was very fortunate enough, like you say, to, to represent what was a was a really good club and one that's very close to my heart. Fantastic. Well, that, that that's lovely to hear. Well, well, um, as I say, I've got I've got a few questions here to 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 ask you. So, um, let's uh, let let's get on into it. So, uh, I, I know you've cautioned me already off air about Wikipedia, but I think I'm right in saying that you're originally from Cornwall. Is that right? Oh, I am indeed. I was indeed. Yes. Truro. From, from, I couldn't from, get further south if I tried. I don't think <laughs> that so. is a, is pretty south and pretty west as well, isn't it? So, uh, so how did Yeovil Town come about? Because I know there's a few teams. Uh, you know, you got Plymouth, obviously Torquay, Exeter between now and now and Yeovil. How did you come to be at Yeovil? Yeah, well, he, I mean, even where I was living down in Cornwall, that was them teams were even still that a long way away. So. Yes. And obviously there was back then in terms of that time, it was all about the distance. You had to be within a certain radius and all that for playing and all. And to be fair, my, my dad, my family was more of a rugby background. So oh, okay. growing up in Cornwall, I was more rugby and cricket. So yeah. that was sort of went down a bit of a different route. And then it was just through uh, my dad's change of job that we moved up to towards just outside the Overwinter, just to the other side of Sherborne in oh, okay. uh, called Henstridge. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was sort of the reason due to, like I say, my, da- my dad's job, which is why we moved up there. OK, so how old were you? Wh- wh- when was that? Because, again, Wikipedia, but it suggests that you joined in like the early 2000, 2004, something I like think, that? Yeah, I think I was 2005, possibly, I think it was, because right. I remember my first season was when we got, luckily, to the playoff final. That That's was my right. first yeah. year as a pro. Uh, and the year before that, that was when I was in the sort of, 
the late great Stuart Housley's youth team in terms of... Well, I wanted to team. ask you about that because, uh, like you say, Stuart, obviously, we were very sadly lost him um, mm-hmm. recently, but a lot of people that we speak to, we, we chatted with Chris Whale on, on, on air um, mm-hmm. uh, a few months back and uh, everyone spoke so highly of of Stuart and and that whole setup now as you'll you'll be well aware that doesn't mm-hmm. exist at Yeovil at the moment I mean what was that like coming through that um that youth system yeah it was it was strange because like you say the youth system for me then was literally train once a night on a Thursday and then um play on the Saturday mornings before before the first team yeah um so yeah it, it was it was well new to me anyway because it was sort of my first taste of sort of playing as part of a an academy type thing I suppose at that age and in some respect I wasn't there really that long to probably really fully understand it and take it all in to a certain extent because like I said I thought my time there was about a year at the most Mm. um, before then being really really fortunate but like I say Russell Slade taking a chance on me but I definitely wouldn't have been where I am today if it wasn't a massive massive part of that down to, to, to Stuart because he, he was a brilliant, brilliant human being, as I'm sure probably a lot of people will attest to. Probably the Oval's answer to Del Boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've heard that a few times. If somebody lays hands on anything, we've been told. So, it's yeah. been not wrong. Anywhere <laughs> you want anything, literally anything, he could find it and get it for you. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, so I've been, been lovely stories that I've heard about um, uh, about Stuart. But you, you mentioned there Russell Slade because obviously he was the the manager. He was the manager who gave you a professional contract, and then obviously yeah. first team debut. Yeah, he was. He was. He was the one. I mean, he must have took some persuading. I think by either Stuart <laughs> or something must have been constantly on at him or something. But yeah, him and Steve Thompson again were, were yeah. brilliant for me in terms of just giving me the opportunity to be. Like I say, do something that I actually never really ever thought I would even do. So I, I was very lucky in that respect. So you, you obviously got your uh, your first opportunity through through Russell, but I think I'm right in saying you had a few loan spells in in your early days. Um, Taunton and Tiverton, I think. Uh, uh, yeah, show. I, I think my first ever one actually was Western Supermare, which probably was one of, with the great respect, one of the worst experiences of my life, but also one of the best, I suppose, in terms of football, in a footballing sense. Right. It, why, why was I, that? Uh, I think from my point of view, obviously, it was my first ever taste of real men's football and yeah. and, and going, obviously, for, for how far away it was as well, uh, driving there on my own and, and just basically trying to stand on my own two feet. Uh, and I think I'm quite a shy, sort of introvert in terms of myself anyway, and it was even worse back then, so... I just found the whole thing probably a little bit overwhelming and daunting and, and never did what I felt did myself justice. But I think off the back of that, that helped me grow and improve as a man. And alongside that, and many a talking to from Steve Thompson and, and uh, Stu, uh, it helped me because then, yeah, when I went to Tiverton, probably the complete opposite, even to this day, I still talk about Tiverton fondly if anyone asked me because I had probably one of the greatest two months of like my football early days, definitely, because... It was in one of those uh, winters where all the uh, games got called off around Christmas time where we had loads of flooding, I think, and frost and all that. And I ended up going there and playing like a ridiculous amount of games in a couple of, literally in two months, which was brilliant because I think we had a schedule. I always remember like one, well, two weeks was literally we played a Saturday, a Tuesday, a Thursday, a Saturday, a Sunday, a Tuesday, a Thursday and a Saturday. Christ. So, <laughs> tell kids that these days they don't believe it, do they? No, yeah. exactly. So I definitely, definitely got, got the enjoyment and got the game time in when I went down there. And, and like you say, for that, it was it was a great experience in terms of uh, sort of building that robustness, I suppose. And, yeah. and again, exposing me to first-team football and, and the people were there were fantastic. And, and yeah, I, I think one of the coaches, the captain there at the time was called Nathan Rudge. And he was a, a really, really nice man that proper took me under his wing. Um, so it was, and I think Chris Dodds was the manager at the time, right. um, who like, yeah, were, were fantastic with me, to be fair. So I always got compared to the fact that I think Ben Foster had been there on loan before or whatever. And then I saw, <laughs> I thought, I don't know quite why they're talking about me in that bracket. But <laughs> There you go. Well, well, I mean, you must have obviously impressed there because as you say, you got your first team debut at the end of that uh, mm-hmm. 2006, seven season. Yeah, I think, yeah, it was. That game was at Gillingham, wasn't it? Yeah, Gillingham away, that was it. Yeah, Gillingham away where we got fortunate enough to be involved and play. And yeah, yeah. It, was, it was unbelievable to be fair. And like I said, that will be an experience I'll, I'll never sort of forget. And and obviously that culminated in me being fortunate enough picked as part of like the travelling squad to go to Wembley as well when we got to yeah, all them absolutely. games. Well, well, 
I want mm. to ask you about that because because that that period that that, that those playoff semi-finals in particular may, maybe have less good memories about about Wembley. Although going mm. to Wembley um, for the first time would be amazing. I mean, just talk about those semi-finals to to start with because we've spoken to a few players who were involved at that time. But after that first leg, losing two 0 at home to Nottingham Forest. I mean, what what do you remember about the 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 mood around the place at that time? It was again. It, I think it was still quite positive in the fact that we had we got there really with no one expecting us to be there. I think we were almost probably favourites to go down. I would imagine as we probably were pretty much nearly every year yeah. for quite a while. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I think all the lads just saw it as a real big free hit, really. And in terms yeah. to really prove people wrong, I mean, like I say, that dressing room was again, like I say, I was so fortunate to be part of a dressing room with players like Marcus Stewart, Nathan Jones, Terry Skiverton, Chris Cohen, now Anthony Barry, and. And I think it only just goes to show, Paul, um, with, with these players that were in it, how so, sort of such a good team that was. Because you only got to look at where m- the majority of them are now yeah. and the paths Absolutely. they've took. So I think, yeah, that whole experience, the whole thing was just, if anything, it was probably a whirlwind. And I don't think I could probably fully appreciate the grandeur of what was happening and stuff. Because like I say, I was young, I was new to it all never really been involved in football or anything like that properly to that extent. And then it was like, wow, <laughs> I've come into this. But yeah. yeah, the lads, in terms of the lads, like I say, Russell Slade managed them brilliantly and just basically G'd them up for it. Obviously, I think Forest fans were, Forest themselves were already really booking playoff final tickets and stuff like yeah. that and hotels. And I think that just used it as added motivation, really. And, and like I say, what an incredible, incredible atmosphere after the game and the bus home and just, yeah, the whole thing was incredible. I mean, you, you are so many Oval fans about their most memorable game. And even with the success that we've had since, um, everyone still talks about that night and I, I would still rank it as my best ever mo- moment being a Oval Town supporter. It's, uh, it was just magic. I, to be on the pitch and uh, you know, part in that team must have been, I can't imagine what it must have been like. Oh yeah, well, I'd use the term for me being part of it very, very loosely because I, I say I was. Well, you were there. The periphery. Yeah, but I know, no, You're in the photos. It was, it was no, it was like I say, it was just an honour to actually even be involved in it, like you yeah. said, and and what a great period for the club, and it was just brilliant that the fans had, like you say, that incredible evening out and could fully, fully in, enjoy it to its fullest. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you, you've mentioned there, obviously, a lot of players. I mean, as a defender coming in, playing alongside the likes of Skivo, Nathan Jones, mm-hmm. Scotty Guyot as well, mm-hmm. and Terrell Forbes, those kind of players. As a defender, you must have learned so much from those kind of players. Oh, again, because I literally come in as a striker initially. It was only Stu that converted me. And to, and to be fair, that's where sort of uh, Gary Johnson's half sort of converted me a little bit when he was there originally um, before he unfortunately left as well because I think Stuart said to him about me playing at right back one game because someone got injured in on one of the first reserve games I think I ever got told to come out of school for and okay. I ended up going and playing at, at left back actually to start because I was young and we just had, didn't have anyone else there I think because Lyndon right. might have been coming back from injury so I think he played at right back and then yeah I ended up playing left back did all right and ever since then Stu sort of Stuck me there. <laughs> I never realised that that you were a striker. But what were you like as a striker then? Well, everyone can say it when they were younger. I was all right, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I wasn't. To be fair, I wasn't even really that good. All I was good at is the fact I could run. That was it. I think from all that time playing rugby. <laughs> Sometimes that's all you need, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah, but I, I, in the in the summer after that, that um, obviously the the the, the disappointment of Wembley, we signed Lee Peltier, I think, yeah. and he obviously came in in, the, in that right direction. But you still managed to make a, a quite a number of appearances um, in in that two thousand seven eight season. Yeah. Records show me that you've mm-hmm. you, you got thirteen appearances. I mean, did you feel like you were becoming more of a member of the first team setup because obviously you just played that one game this season before? Yeah, no, definitely. Again, like I said, and I don't think I would have even done that if it wasn't for the people that you just mentioned, like Nathan Jones and uh, and Skivo and, and all those people, Scotty, Terrell, because all of them were, were honestly brilliant. I genuinely can't thank them enough because mm-hmm. they used to speak to me every day, teach me, like, just talk to me in terms of little bits to pick up with, how to act just in general as a, as a, as a human being and stuff like that. And all that stuff was invaluable. And if anything, when Pelts arrived, then again, Pelts was brilliant with me, even as from that but I saw that as sort of a, a target I think to go after a little bit and it gave me a bit of a focus and I, I even in that season I probably didn't play as much as I would have wanted or would have liked but I felt like at least I got an opportunity within it and 
and yeah, it, it was just great because it bred competition, I think, more than anything. So yeah, yeah, it was good. And again, like you say, you only got to look at where he's, how good a career he's had. So to even take the odd game off him was oh, yeah. some achievement, I think. And like you say, when you look back at him, and then there's there was Luke Aylin after that as well. That yeah, these are all brilliant, brilliant players in their own right. And to even be part of that team, team with them. Um, let alone all the ones that went before as well and, and since it was was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one one interesting game, I'm sure you found it interesting that season. You probably remember at Walsall in uh, in February, uh, Steve Milnall goes off at yeah. half time, and, it, and you end up in goal. I mean, I were you the, were the first choice to go in goal that day? Or I don't know. I think I think it's because Russell looks at me and goes, "You're good at most other things," because you know I played cricket. It was a wicket keeper <laughs> and all that. And said, well, we were going to ask, did being a wicket keeper help? <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think I think that was what it was, and I said I'll never forget trying to put Len Bond, the blessed, his goalie gloves on because I've tried Mildes on, and I don't think my hands even reach the fingers. Really? So I yeah. literally had my hands in the palms, and then like, so like I say, I had that, I had a goalie kit on, and yeah, uh, it was yeah, that was a surreal, surreal experience. And again, but even that was funny because like taking goal kick, Lee Morris was just laughing to me after saying, "Oh, you could keep finding me. Your pass completion rate was all right." <laughs> but, <laughs> Uh, it was yeah, it was, it was again a very surreal experience, but but when I weirdly now look back on it, it does make me laugh. Yeah, well, we've dug out a picture which we'll use when we when we promote this of you in in the keeper kit. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's worth it. Have you ever have you ever done that again since? Have you ever had to jump into goal? Uh, no, I, I I was always a couple of few times at Peterborough if we didn't have a keeper yeah. on the bench. I was sort of told that if anyone like got if the keeper got injured I was sort of designated as possibly right. the one that would go in but yeah really? no, that was it to be fair never had to, to do it again you got a reputation yeah yeah well uh, uh, again <laughs> moving on and looking into that uh, the following season 28 29 mm-hmm. it seemed to be a bit of a, a mixed bag for for Yeovil from a results perspective but one where you really established yourself. And again, we always look back through, through the results. Mm-hmm. But you look at some of the teams we were playing, that's the Leeds, Middlesbrough, Charlton, to oh. just, a, just a few. But a, a, a lot of things changed around that time. Russell Slade, obviously, mm-hmm. um, uh, left in, in, mm-hmm. in February of that year and, and Skivo and, and, and Nathan Jones uh, took over. What, what was it like to be uh, around at that time, especially as a, a younger member of the squad to see... Terry, make that step up because would have been a player and a teammate, make that step up into management. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was obviously all that uncertainty and everything. But I mean, from a personal point of view, I was losing a really good friend and a mentor in both of them, to be fair, that were in in and around the dressing room. But at the same time, they were brilliant for me because that drove me to want to do just as well, if not better for them because and then I was fortunate enough like I say Terry made me captain as well which is still one of the proudest things I've ever done leading the team out when I first did that and and subsequently since but yeah no it was it was difficult I'll never forget one of Terry's I think first games was we played Brighton away and he was the manager and and we didn't play very well or whatever and it was just like weird because you obviously trying to shout gaffer at half time to him but then on the pitch what do you shout and stuff and it was just a really surreal experience yeah to make that I mean he's spoken himself hasn't he about how uh, I think he said that it was maybe too soon for him but he felt like he, he had such a connection with the with the football club that, that he almost owed it to them to, to give it a chance I mean did, did it ever feel like that did it ever f- uh, f- f- feel strange if you say that that game against Bright was that the one where we lost five nil? Yeah, or five one yeah. or something like that. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. And Russell was manager, wasn't he? Of Bright and Russell yeah, Slade, and that was yeah. what made it. I'm gonna say, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it obviously it was strange, but equally from his point of view, I mean, if you want to, as a comparison, I suppose not on the same level, but in the same context. I suppose you got to look at like Frank Lampard managing Chelsea or whatever. It's almost an opportunity. You think where we will, will you get again, or maybe not? Like I don't know, yeah. but fair play to him. We took it on and. Like I say, he dealt with a lot, a lot of stuff to go through that and did brilliantly keeping us in the league like he did. And he made some brilliant loan signings. Oh, obviously, absolutely. all the Tottenham lads that we were fortunate enough to get in. And yeah, and, and yeah now, and, and like I say, I think I think he did more than 
a, a decent, a very decent job, to be fair, if, if I'm honest. And yep. he's just a, a top, top man, to be fair. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, go goes without saying. Just, just, just for a team, a club the size of Oval to be in, Lee one against all those teams we've mentioned, uh, was just a phenomenal achievement in itself, I think. Oh, I think I'll never forget, <laughs> forget when we, I think, secured survival that year. I think we played the Chetford Wednesday away or something, drew 2-2. But then I think the next one we played... I think it might have been either Rochdale or Colchester away, and he was doing the moonwalk dancing in the changing room after when we were mathematically safe after we had won. Fantastic! Um, oh yeah, it was it was brilliant. But yeah, it was like I say, what about he was? I think that might have been his hardest bit initially being the manager because he is one of yeah. the funniest people I've ever come across in football. <laughs> But obviously, being a manager, you've got to have the opposite side as yeah, well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I bet he had to he had to fight back the urge to, to crack yeah. a joke or something, didn't he? But yeah, I, I mean, one thing we haven't mentioned in that that season was your first goal. So uh, you scored you scored uh, the the opening goal in a in a three two win at, oh, um, at Swindon. Swindon yeah, in December. Good. I mean, what he uh, obviously I imagine not your first ever goal. Obviously, being a prolific striker in your youth. <laughs> but um, I mean, what do you remember about that? Um, yeah, I remember obviously. Yeah quite a lot for that because yeah. I, I think that was around unfortunately the time with Darren and what had happened uh, for him and stuff yeah which I was sort of not necessarily for the right reason that you're unfortunate circumstance you remember that for but yeah no it was, yeah. It was brilliant as well because like I say the just the feeling of scoring and, and just being involved in a game like that against a sort of relative sort of local team I suppose and just seeing all the fans celebrate it before it and then like I say it made it even sweeter by the fact we actually won that made it all right Absolutely. That's a good, good professional's answer. That is, yeah. Three points is all it's about. Doesn't matter about my goal. But yeah, it must have been uh, special. Having come through the t- the club as, as as you did to to get that first goal with a oval badge on your chest. No, definitely. Yeah, it, it was. Like I say, it was always not, not even nice as well to score from a corner, a little header. So that was yeah. good as well, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and um, uh, uh, so moving on to the to the followers, uh, I, again, I, I'm I'm going to question Wikipedia here, but is it right that you, you'd signed a new contract? And I, I've double checked that across cyberspace, and that says, seems to be true. That summer, 2009, and it said then that you were made club captain uh, in that year. Is that does that sound right? In in that <laughs> yeah, that might have been when it got all made official. Where I proper took it on, oh, maybe that yeah. might have been the right thing. Like I say, I'm, that well, like I say, if that's what it says, that's probably what it is. But yeah, no, <laughs> I think around that sort of time, yeah, definitely maybe it, it happened. Which like I say was was a huge honour to have it probably made official in terms of like you say a, a, a club captain. When especially I was so I think I was, I was only twenty one, I think twenty two yeah. maybe at the time. Absolutely. So, yeah, no, nah, what a, like I say, what an honour and. Yeah, just really, really fond memories of all that time. Really, to be fair. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you, you mentioned some of the um, some of the loads, but you you look at some again some of the players that we had there. So uh, I can't can't not mention uh, Stephen Colker and and Alex McCarthy in gold as I was well. Just about to say, yeah, yeah. I, can, I can vividly I think remember the whole team. I think it was myself at right back. Then I think we had yeah Stephen Corker and Terrell Forbes at centre half, and we had yeah. uh, left back. I think it was Nathan Smith at the time. I think there was. Pelts and Luke Hayden maybe have been centre mid, and then we had like like you say, John yeah. Baker, Andros Townsend, and yeah. Brian right. Mason. Brian Mason, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, yeah. So it was that like, we were blessed with a complete dearth of talent. Again, that's a testament to the sort of group that Terry had managed to assemble. I mean, when you're playing with someone like that, I mean, obviously. Colker's the one that stands out for me because <laughs> such a young age, but he was just so assured. I mean, could you tell the players like that? Yeah, they they're destined to be a Premier League player. Ryan Mason as well, obviously, and Alex McCarthy. Yeah, I mean, obviously in Cork's case, he literally looked at him and thought he was a man at seventeen, and he was basically a, a plenty Rolls, of him, wasn't there? Yeah. Rolls Royce. <laughs> But no, I think not just to mention their ability, like you say, and with even Ryan, but I think obviously he maybe and Andros themselves probably developed a little bit later. But what was more pressing about all of them, to be fair, was just how professional they all were and, and how they were, again, as people that integrated, they fully buy, bought into the culture at Yeovil and bought into the Yeovil itself, really, I think, because with the great respect of at the time, it's like there's not a lot to do down there. No, you, no. But, they fully bought into that. And I think that is, if anything, probably why it made like the club successful in period. Because like I say, if people all buy into it, it's it can be a special place that really has gets the full back into the town behind it. I suppose it's one of those things that uh, a lot of people have said it, that 
because it's it's not the bright lights of a of a big city it gives you the opportunity to to concentrate on your game and that can be really beneficial to uh, some younger players in particular no definitely i think 100 that's what it causes you to literally do focus on what's important and really you've got no in the nicest ways no other real distractions or whatever so you can properly focus and knuckle down and and work hard and that environment like i say that that skill and jonesy that they made at the time was conducive to a young squad that was sort of receptive to listening to their ideas and and again i think we just did brilliant for them a couple of seasons to even just stay in league one like you said mentioned teams yeah. charlton uh, sheffield wednesday uh leeds like all these big big teams bradford all these yeah. teams that were competing against was yeah and at that time obviously you had scunny leicester as well that all down in and around it which Again, you, you sort of pinch yourself at playing teams like that because a lot of them even have been in the Premier League at times. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a lot of those you mentioned there were Premier mm. League teams at one point or another, weren't they? And 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 by the looks of it, that that season uh, seemed to be the one where you you made the most appearances. Looks like 40, 43 times. And the the following season, ten uh, two thousand and ten, two thousand and eleven, slightly fewer. I say still twenty nine games, which is um quite. A, I mean, did you you feel there? that even at a young age, that was there a pressure and a responsibility that came with being captain, but um, being probably one of the longest serving uh, people on the on the staff at that point, I'd have thought. Yeah, I think, and I, was, I started to pick up, I think a couple of injuries around that time as well, which is always, always the case and everyone gets them and stuff. And I probably, again, that was the first real time I had had injuries. So I probably didn't really know how to cope with them properly and, didn't really probably look after myself in the right way because you didn't know exactly how to do it all properly. But yeah, it's probably a probably a culmination of everything. But again, if you'd said you'd still play that many games and, and what have you, then I would have still been <laughs> reasonably happy because like I yeah. said, I, I was doing something that probably 99.9% of the population would have loved to have done. So I, I definitely wouldn't grumble even playing six games or whatever, let alone... 29 or whatever it was so yeah yeah absolutely yeah with uh, let's like say uh, i imagine injuries is something that um when you're a younger player they probably if, if you get them then you're you're back the next week aren't you but um when you get as you get later into your career they probably come a bit more more serious yeah, I just think it's one of them as well. Probably, like you said, because I wasn't used to training all the time properly and then I've gone from literally one season playing, like you say, one game, 13 yeah. games, then to 40-odd, I probably just couldn't... My body probably had, wasn't used to it. So, like you say, it was going to break down over time or whatever. But, hey, that's all. like I say, every footballer can say they've had injury stories or whatever. So, there's... Definitely worse off people than, than myself. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So you get to the the summer of two thousand and eleven, and and um, I think uh, again, having uh, checked the check the records, you you were offered a deal by the by the club, but see the opportunity to move to to Peterborough came up at, at that point. Was, was that a difficult decision to make, or was it one uh, way you saw the opportunity to move on? Yeah, it, well, yeah, it was obviously difficult for a number of reasons. I was I could I was fortunate enough in the fact of like I say being in a position with it. I was almost going to have Peter Royal Charlton, um, and just pure um, aspiration because Peter were in the championship at the time. That was and why and obviously Darren Ferguson was there and had made a real effort. I think to sign me and and yeah, that was sort of all my thoughts around it. But again, I was yes, it was sort of a bit of a wrench to leave you over but I think it was the right time if that's honest if I'm honest we were around it again especially what was coming that was already there and the club was in a good place and and yeah I will always obviously be grateful to you but I, I couldn't turn down the opportunity to test myself in the championship I think that was what what was the big pull yeah did um did give or anyone did they, they try and make you stay or did they recognize the opportunity it was for you yeah i think obviously they, they they were nice enough to say all think like things to try to but equally they were sort of very forthcoming in terms of saying how good an opportunity it was and, and everything around it and i think still to this day give was delighted that i kept his uh, wash bag that he gave me for one christmas present <laughs> for being his boot boy that i had right. like, for several years that unfortunately only looked I only had to give up a couple of years ago when it finally broke. It fell to pieces, yeah? <laughs> yeah, finally. But I can just say, he will always tell me when I come back one game, I think Sheffield's right, and he, he yeah. cracked himself laughing because I still had the same wash bag. <laughs> Brilliant, right. Okay, where's my wash bag, yeah? 
Fantastic. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned there, um, uh, you, you obviously went to Peterborough, Sheffield United. I mean, they must have been some real experiences for you. I think, am I right in saying you, you won the, um, was it the EFL trophy? Did yeah, won, we won, won the Johnson Paint at the time. Paint, yeah, and, that, it, yeah. and they got promoted from Old Trafford as well, back into the championship after getting relegated one year. Right. Yeah, it was a real roller coaster of a, <laughs> a few years being there. But again, like the players that you got to play with again and the people you meet and just being under Darren Ferguson there at the time and, and the coaches and Mark Robson, who was a massive influence on me and Gary Breen, to name but two, that were, were yeah, brilliant. And like I say, just have that opportunity of, of being under Darren Ferguson for that number of years was, was fantastic. So that was brilliant. And then obviously fortunate enough to get to go to Shelton United after and then worked under Nigel Clough. So definitely had a good grounding in terms of two very good managers from their yeah. dads that passed on a lot of words of wisdom and all and, and yeah like you say experience wise and going to the stadiums that you played against teams week in week out every game was like a cup final and yeah and as I'm, as I'm sure you'll know from players that have been on here before that they've been in far far bigger games than me but as a little boy coming from Cornwall that had no real idea of football to go to some of them stadiums yeah it was it was incredible yeah, and you, uh, you, I think when you were at Sheffield United, you, you came up against Yeovil a couple of times, didn't you? Um, uh, yeah, we did. Yeah, I played yeah. against Yeovil a couple of times and Peterborough, and I think I was very fortunate. In the fact, I think we won nearly enough every time, I think. I was very fortunate in, yeah, <laughs> in that respect. Yeah. Uh, I, I can see uh, it's April 2015, Yeovil 1-1-0 at, uh, for when you were at Sheffield United. But but yeah, yeah, yeah like you say, yeah, yeah they, it, we, we, we lost. Must have been on the bench mate. that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I won't tell you that uh, you're in the team, but uh, yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> no, uh, only for the second half, though. So, uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. There must have all the damage was done in the first yeah, half. You see, it? that's what happens. Bring <laughs> on to try and change it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I mean, obviously, fantastic experiences that you you, you had to do there, and um, and then you ended up at uh, Cheltenham after that. Is that right? After? Oh, sorry, no, big no, button, no, I went to Doncaster. Yeah, 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 no. Course, yeah. Again, I was fortunate after Darren Ferguson to sign me again mm-hmm. um, so thankfully I must have done something right when <laughs> I, I was with him and yeah ended up moving to Doncaster which again was a really really enjoyable time to be fair like going there it was brilliant I had a really good first season on a personal level when I went there mm. and then unfortunately the club got relegated the next time but then bounced straight back up so that was that was again a, a completely slightly different experience but again another brilliant experience being in in around players that were there like James Coppinger who you sort of oh, played yeah, against yeah. at the lower league levels that you sort of always admired from afar but until you actually train with him day in day out you don't like you realize how good he sort of is and yeah so yeah I think he played till he was about 40 41 so yeah, yeah no he did he was one of yeah real real uh kept kept going forever I imagine players like that they must have been um Let's talk about good professionals. Nobody mm. plays for that long unless they're a good professional. That must have, even when you were, you know, a fairly experienced professional, it probably can't be many days you go in and you can't learn something from something uh, like that. Every day is a school day. You can always yeah. learn something from someone. I think yeah. I'm a great believer in that. You can learn something from anyone, good, bad, indifferent, whatever you. I think you can always take stuff from from everyone. And like you say, it's you'd almost be silly not to when you're in a, a group of within a group of people like that that like you say have had so many good experiences even bad experiences but they can share that their words of wisdom that can only help you in the long run yeah fantastic but uh, so 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 after Doncaster um there's a uh, Cheltenham for what looks like a, a relatively um brief spell and then uh, and then obviously back to Yeovil uh, uh, in uh, two thousand and nineteen by by the by the looks of it. And it was um, Darren Way was obviously manager at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously a difficult time, as we know mm-hmm. how that season ended with Yeovil getting relegated back in into the non-league. Did you notice a, a change in the in the club as it is a club that you left and the club that you came back to? Was there a, a real change there? I think I think there was, and I think we'd all be silly to say that there wasn't at the yeah. time. But I appreciate the club have gone through a lot of sort of ups and downs within that time, and obviously the euphoria of being in the championship for a season, and then getting relegated, unfortunately, to League One, but then going down again, sort of, and like, yeah, it, it was tough actually to be fair to to come back to it in the in the situation it it was in. 
Um, and obviously all we wanted to do was to keep the club in, in the league that year. Unfortunately, again, didn't really play as much as I would have liked yeah. or thought I should have. But hey, that, like I said, that's what we just get on with it. And and these things sort of happen because, again, for me personally, from as much as that from a footballing side wasn't great. But I was, again, fortunate at the time because Terry, again, was, was the academy manager at the time and yeah. brought me in to help me again with John Fry, who was fantastic with me, helped me get into coaching that side. So... Again, for whatever on a personal level, football-wise, wasn't great. But for the other side and preparing me for the next stage of my career, it, it was invaluable. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and again, to talk about somebody that you played with as a player in, in, in um, Darren Way or, or uh, being, being, uh, what was he like as a, as a, as a manager to, to manage under? Was he a, a diff- uh, did he, again, have to be a different kind of character? Yeah, he was. He was uh, different. He was very intense and all, and he, yeah. he demanded certain things. He, very he intense had... to the player as well, wasn't he? I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, listen, everyone's got their their ways yeah. of going about things, and like you say, it was just unfortunate at that point. It didn't quite work, and mm. things happened that unfortunately the club couldn't sustain its league status. But like you say, it, it, these things happen, and you just have to sort of move on and, and deal with them as best as you can. Yeah, but. You you stayed around obviously for the uh, for the next season um, or the first season uh, in, in back in in the non league um, and Darren Saul came came in then. <laughs> um, if you look back, if you ask particularly younger Oval fans who who maybe don't remember those glory days in um, uh, your your the start of your career and <laughs> uh, in, in two thousand and thirteen, I think that season the 2019-20 season back under Darren and. The, the, the team that he put together, it, it must have been quite a, a coming together because there weren't too many too many of you hanging around, were there, at the end? I think there was you, maybe um, Courtney Duffus and Matt Worthington. I, I can't mm. imagine there were too many of us that were no, there at think, the end of the season. Before. I think I was going to say that was it, I think. Yes. Pretty, and Carl Dickinson. Just the three I think. Of you sat there on your own in the... Yeah, <laughs> no, the, I think there was Carl Dickinson and Sean oh, yeah. as well. We all got kept around which was was nice really because I thought that again they were really really good lads really good yeah. professionals and and I think to be fair to the gap at that time down so I thought he knew what we sort of needed at that level with the players the characters that we needed and and it almost put unfortunately it almost worked should we say apart from obviously the disruption of what had happened although that was one of the yeah. strangest seasons ever after we were living in the in the ground for periods, obviously when we come back for the playoffs and, yeah. and things like that. But yeah, again, like you say, it, it was unfortunately didn't end the way that everyone wanted to that, but yeah, he, he assembled a great group of players and, and like I say, unfortunate that sort of tarnished as well a little bit by the unfortunate events that's since preceded it with Lee Collins, but course, the rest yeah. and everything, but it was family, but no, yeah, again, like you say, again, within that group, we were fortunate enough to meet some really, really good people. Absolutely. I mean, how can you compare? Because you talked earlier on about the, the the Nathan Jones and the Skivo and those kind of people, and and now you, you Lee, Lee Collins, uh, Luke Wilkinson, Carl Dickinson, Charlie Lee, those sort of people. Again, they they they've got that. They they felt for the first time in a long time, as a supporters' perspective, that there was that. There was a spirit there amongst it, and it was a, it was a, a special team to watch play. Did did it feel like that as, no, a, as a definitely? Player? And I think, like you said, you hit the nail on the head when you said there's one ingredient there in terms of they were all just really good men, good professionals, humble, all hardworking, all wanted to help each other as well. And I think once you've got a group like that together, you've always got half a chance. Mm. Um, and like you said, just to be part of that dressing room with all the players that always wanted to do the right things and raise the standards and, and, and do the right things day in, day out. Um, it was, yeah, it was it was a really good thing to do because not only that, it drives the rest of you to be better and brings everyone else along the journey too, wanting to improve. Yeah, probably can't tell them on air, but I bet there are a few stories you could tell about that group as well, aren't cool. there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, mean, I, I bet when things weren't going well, it was, uh, yeah, there was the, you didn't need the manager to tell you things weren't going well there. There no, few generals in that I was going to say, the dressing very much, well, that's, again, testament probably to Darren in terms of that, though, yeah. so on what he put together, knowing that the dressing room could manage itself to a certain yeah. degree. yeah. Absolutely. Well, obviously, as you say, that with the tragic uh, passing, passing of of Lee Collins, that that's one thing that you've heard everybody say about him. Was mm. he 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 ran the dressing room with the likes of uh, Dicko and uh, and Wilco <laughs> and, and and Co as well. But yeah, so um, end of that season, 
uh, I think your contract came, came to an end and you, uh, it seems to be that you, you had a, a little spell, maybe a couple of seasons, uh, um, Harlow Town, is that right? Yeah, I went to Harlow for randomly yeah. for a bit because obviously family up, well, not even close to there, but yeah, just moved there because my agent at the time through football, he like owned, Har- owned Harlow still to this day. So he sort of asked me to go along and play for them for a little bit. And I wasn't really, again, I was in that situation. Where I didn't really know what I was doing properly, what I was going to be doing. Because obviously, the, yeah. if you're always a football when you're playing lower league football, it's not like you can just retire and got money coming out of your ears or anything like that. So no. yeah, of course, you had to plan for the next phase of, of, of life and stage of life. And again, that all culminated with COVID and everything else. So yeah, it was a real surreal period. But yeah, I just started playing, like I say, part-time and, and sort of then found an even greater newfound respect for those that lads that play part-time and have to work during the day, like you say, and then go and play at night and long days. And yeah, again, it was another experience, good, bad and different, but for many different ways. Yeah, like you say, it must have been a really strange time to be be playing in that as a as a supporter, just watching on streams and things like that was always uh, was always strange. I imagine at, at Harlow it would be yeah, very very strange time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you say, I think that was just for everyone in the country. Everybody, yeah. it's probably all sort of weird. Yeah, I mean, right, a little run there. Probably have blocked a lot of that out in terms of because yeah. you just it was like a strange, strange time. I think so. You sort of tried not to think too much about it but yeah yeah it probably affected everyone yeah but you mentioned obviously when when you came back to Yeovil about um people helping you or that being the beginning of your your, your coaching um, <laughs> did that did that carry on into Harlow and uh, obviously subsequently uh, yeah I think I was like say that sort of because I've never ever really envisaged doing that because like I say even as before I played football I wanted to join the Marines I wanted to go down a completely different route and right. And then when I finished football, I wanted to join the police. So I signed up to do, do that and everything. And then, like I say, right. it was only because, thanks to, like you say, John Fry and Terry, that I got into coaching and they helped me with that. And, and then when I went to Harlow, I still started doing a bit of coaching there alongside trying to play. And then quickly found out, again, even more respect to, te- to Skivo with playing and managing because I was even coaching and playing. I found that too difficult because I, could, I felt like I couldn't give 100% to one or the other. And I, as a person, I'm not very good at trying to do that. I'd rather just give everything to one thing and try and see how it, where it gets me sort of thing. So, yeah, that was a good experience in terms of, like I say, getting a ground in and trying to get sort of comfortable with doing something that originally I thought I'd be very uncomfortable at. And, yeah, that's still now part of my, well, my career moving forward now and aspirations to try and be the best sort of coach I can be. Absolutely. So, uh, um, um, whereabouts are you um, at the current time then? Uh, I'm at Luton Town. At the oh, okay. Like in the, in, uh, I was going to say in the youth side again, that was something Wikipedia told me. So I thought I'm going to double check. <laughs> yeah, no, one. yeah. I'm coaching, yeah. Uh, fortunate enough again to, well, when Nathan was obviously there, he yeah. brought me in, like he almost brought me in as a player, but then instead he, he was brilliant and brought me in as a coach along with Paul Hart, the academy. So, oh, wow. Right. Was, okay. Yeah. Again, an experienced head to learn from. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So again, so they put me in and somehow entrusted me with developing the their under 16s, under 15, 16s age group, which is like I say, is just a brilliant, brilliant learning experience uh, for me. Cause as much as they're learning to play, I'm still learning to, to coach yeah, to be a manager, all that so. side of it as well. So yeah, it's all it's all just a, a brilliant experience. And again at the club I'm blessed with being around people like Paul Benson, had a really good career, Alan McCormack. Yeah. Adrian Forbes, which is weird because he used to be, he played in the Blackpool side that unfortunately beat yeah, us in the first did, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But him, which is, so yeah, with Eunice Cabal's about. And so, yeah, it's a really, really tight-knit group. Alex Lawless. So it's, oh, yeah. Was played as a stint at Yeovil, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, no, exactly, yeah. So there's another one I was thinking. So, yeah, it's, it's, again, just a great environment to be in. It's probably the next best thing, really, to in terms of that, if you want to be in football in terms of playing. Yeah. And and how much can you draw on your own experiences? Obviously, as a young young player uh, coming coming through, do you do you, do you tell you're the lads that you coach? Oh, when I was your age. Oh no, I ain't been one of them. Cause I just <laughs> tell them I was useless and used to just run around. That was about it. I said, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. I was terrible, and you're far better players than me. Um, no, I think I think the only thing I can sort of, in a weird way, is probably help them on the other sides if things don't go well. Because like I can say to them, look, if you're in the academy here at this age. 
at 16, 17, even 18 to a certain degree. I was like, you're already a couple of years ahead of where I was. And I was lucky enough to play professional football because like I said, I, I didn't join an academy until I was 18, literally like bang on. So it just shows, I suppose, on that side that it's never too late. For every one manager that likes you, there's 10 that don't. And for every yeah. one that does, uh, for every one that don't, there's 10 that do. So it's yeah. just about, like you say, unfortunately, football is just about opinions and stuff like that. But what I just try and instill in them is that they just be good people and give their best every day so they can got no regrets, really. And like I say, the under-18s team at the minute is doing really well in the FA Youth Cup and... Again, that's a testament to what I've just said before in terms of people and work efforts. No different with Alex, as you know, from his time at Yeovil and Alan McCormack. They're all they know, the same, all hard-working, honest people that just want the best for, for everyone. And your experiences you mentioned before about as a young man going on loan at places like Tiverton and, and even Western Supermare, and then mm-hmm. maybe seeing the likes of Stephen Colker come in as a 17-year-old and play in men's football. I mean, do, 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 are those um, opportunities that come to, obviously, very a, a very successful championship team, like, or, or is it more in, do they stay in that youth setup in the under-23s, or is there a desire to get them out? And no, I think they try and, like I say, it's, it's the old, old adage, is if you're good enough, you're old enough, yeah. uh, and they try and push them on as much as possible, and it's no different than us at Luton in terms of the number of players we've got. Like there's a 16 at the minute called Jacob Vickers that's literally playing in the under-18s youth cut. He's played, he's trained with the first team, he's been around... Uh, the 21s and stuff like that. And he is now part of the 21s, 23s, and he's only 16, well, under 16, so he's probably, what, 15, nearly. So, yeah, I think the club definitely is now trying to push the heart. And since Paul Hart's come in, and like you say, he's pushing the standard of of not only the uh, the players, sorry, but the coaches as well to make them the players better. Because like you say, you want to try and get as many players as you can from your youth set up an academy into the first team because then that just makes it relatable for the, for the whole town itself yeah absolutely and we've been obviously fortunate at Yeovil to um probably through the connection between uh Nathan Jones and um and, and Terry Skivett I'd imagine but the likes of Gab uh Gabriel Osho, Osho and, yeah he's there yeah, yeah. and Josh Noisfield obviously yeah. was a fantastic player for for us um and then then came back and was a fantastic player again even after mm. that terrible injury Adam mean, mm-hmm. who, who else are you going to throw our way now Nathan's gone we're relying on you Craig <laughs> we need some decent players anyone that can score some goals that's oh, what we need yeah it depends who they want but yeah no gladly obviously the the current manager obviously there and, and yeah. staff are working well and obviously trying to do do their best with what they've got. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, is that your your ambition? You obviously in, in the youth setter, is is that something you wanna you wanna carry on up and up the up the age ranks and maybe do you, do you see yourself as a head coach or a manager no. somewhere at some point? No, <laughs> no, I have absolutely no desire to be a manager of that. I'm Having seen others. Think- no, it's just I don't think I think it takes a good. Uh, well, I'd like to think that I can. I'm a very good realist in the fact that I appreciate where your your skill set lies or where you might be best suited, maybe. But no, I'd love to be like say maybe a, a good assistant or first team coach type thing or anything like that. But no, I really like sort of the back other side of football in terms of like a sporting director type way and stuff like that. Because I'm doing a course to be a sporting director at the moment and. Oh. Things like that really interest me, I suppose. The other, the other side of football, again, just to, to experience things from a different side. And then you see things from both perspectives, like from a board side and a player side and a coach's side. So you sort of can then get a good understanding and feel of, of where everyone's coming from in their own points of view. So all those T-shirts we made up, Craig Oldcox, Green and White Army, we've got to get rid of them, have we? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, I doubt the club's that desperate to a point. We'll, we'll, chuck, we'll chuck them away with all them Nottingham Forest Wembley 2007 <laughs> t-shirts that they had made nah, up as well. You can keep all them ones, but yeah, I think I don't think the club's quite that in the bad estate that they're going to be asking for me to go and come in any way, shape or form. But no, obviously, like you say, I'll just like, do as much, do as well as I can now doing it in a different career path and who knows where that will, will, will take me. All I know is I'll try and give it my all and just do as well as I can for my family. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, Craig, it's been lovely to speak to you. We always finish these by just asking um, the player to say, obviously, got no, hopefully a good number of Yeovil Town fans listening to this. Is there, uh, well, if what they're still be, awake. If they're still awake, yeah, yeah. After listening to me, rub it on. For, uh, uh, you're the interesting one here. But, I didn't go that far. <laughs> um, I mean, is there anything that you like to say to the Yeovil Town fans listening about your memory or your, your time of, of playing for them, I suppose? 
Oh, no, well, first and foremost, just thank you for, for embracing me and, and giving me the opportunity to play for your club. And one of my proudest trophies I've ever got was Fans Player of the Year a couple of times. So that's, uh, to this, again, takes pride of place at home, things like that. But no, again, like, all I can say is thank you. Even the times I've gone back, everyone's been really courteous, always said hello. And and it was in the, what the failures, like I said, as much as the football side of it was not necessarily the nice thing coming back for, but to meet the same sort of people and see familiar faces and, and just seeing people with smiles on their face again is, is invaluable to be fair. And yeah, again, I, I can't say any other words. I thought, and thank you. Fantastic. Right. That's a lovely way to finish. And Craig, thank you so much for talking to us. And I'm sure I speak for every Oval Town fan when we say thank you to you for everything that you did for, for the club. And uh, yeah, be, I'm sure everyone would be delighted to see you back again. No, I've very kind. I'm, so, I'm sorry I've put you through probably a lot of boredom for the last hour or something. That's not probably an hour you won't get back. <laughs> no, not at all. No, I really appreciate you talking to us. No, thank thank you, you for your time. Thank you for asking. I hope, hope you're all well and I wish you all the best for the rest of the season. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you very much. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.